Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find me on social media at Justin Bazaar or at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's. And I'm very excited today, guys. We have back with us Justin Fox and Valerie Culpit of Birch Mountain Barbecue. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks. I've been spending a little time in Washington State, actually, and um, I'm growing a fondness for it. And I know you guys are from there. And um, have you always lived there? No. No, uh, we, we've just been here since 2016. So So tell me a little bit about that, because um, give me a little history of uh, Birch Mountain Barbecue, how you guys got started. And we can sort of pick up where we left off from July of 2020. We originally moved out here in 2015, and we uh, just kind of missed the food from our uh, home state, Oklahoma and Louisiana. She's from Louisiana, and uh, we just kind of missed not having the availability of that type of food, and um, just kind of kept, you know, looking for that sort of thing, so we, we cooked what was familiar to us, and then, you know, you'd get invited to a potluck or something and you'd bring that sort of food to uh to work or to that to that potluck and and someone would ask you if you would you know cook for their kids graduation or or whatever and then next thing you know you were doing more and more of that and, and it just kind of developed from there and then Valerie was kind of like well maybe we should look into catering and we just kind of started buying equipment working toward that and looking into licensing toward that and if i remember justin you have a real love for like animal proteins and barbecue and and cooking and and experimenting with animal proteins if i remember correctly i i'd, I'd been cooking you know since, since i was like in my early 20s so just you know kind of backyard barbecue type stuff um nothing professionally or anything just had always cooked but um yeah so and the size of his smokers i think i look at it as over the past i don't know since 2015 has probably paralleled with the way the business has grown Whenever we first moved to Washington, we lived in an apartment and we had an alley that he cooked for just us in with a little old R2-D2 type smoker. Yeah, overcorrect heat. Yeah, and then that grew from when we bought our house here, you know, a couple of years into that, he wanted to get like a cabinet style smoker. Um, so we did that and that's where we started potlucking and playing around with how long it takes to cook certain things and what does that look like. Um, and when that happened, that's kind of like, hey, maybe we'll try this catering thing on the side because we both worked full-time healthcare. Yeah. Oh, that's and, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what he did with that. And then we used a commercial kitchen, you know, rental to make that happen. And then um, – right pre-pandemic when we're like wow this is going to work we're going to do this that's when we invested in the mobile grill slash smoker that we had built down in california 
um, I don't know, how big was that smoker? Uh, not big enough. The, yeah. fo- the footprint I knew, at, as soon as we got it, I knew it was, yeah. we would outgrow it. I mean, so I can't really give you a comparison to what we have now. But then even during the pandemic, you know, just will talk about that some with the, with the pivots we had to make to stay alive. But we made payments and were able to, to, to make it happen. We had just ordered a 1,000-gallon custom-made smoker from Sonny Moberg out of Austin, right outside of Austin, Texas. Um, and, and we're like, oh, my gosh, what did we do? Because <laughs> we knew we needed more space, but, you know, then everything shut down. And we just had to figure out how to make it happen. Um, and that he was still working part-time healthcare. I'm working full-time and we said, you know, just quit healthcare. He was doing surgery and surgeries were getting canceled. I said, focus on your business and I'll keep doing healthcare to, to keep up with the extra. And, um, yeah, so our smokers have grown. The business has grown though. It's been a struggle. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'll let Justin talk about that some more, but I'll hand it back over to him. In March of March of 2020, when when COVID hit, we we knew that um, I I originally planned on exiting healthcare at that point anyway, but I didn't actually. It was kind of a pipe dream, yeah, um, fantasy kind of thing. But um, you <laughs> I, know, I was at the same thing. I had this this thought of I was going off on my own in business and stuff like that, and then I got pulled back into healthcare and food and. So I understand the, like you, you have this pipe dream and all of a sudden the world changes and you're like, okay, I got to put down the podcast, for example, for a while. And I got to go deal with what's going on in the world of health and food. But anyway, go ahead. I totally relate. Yeah. When the, uh, when they canceled elective surgeries, that's when I said, well, I was spending more time actually doing take, take out meals. Uh, I said, well, I said, it, it's either gonna work or it's not. So yeah. I said, now's the time to decide. So I put in my two weeks' notice at the hospital. That's awesome. And we had we'd already signed a lease on our our new uh, space. And, and so space this already- is after we had talked, right? Because before you were in the, you had a food trailer, right? A, a barbecue trailer. So now we're talking. You signed a lease, and you're going into a brick and mortar. Uh, just so I'm clear on understanding. That's awesome. Yeah, and that that space was actually kind of retrofit for a actual to-go window. So when the restaurants closed down, we said, let's find a way to get our food into the valley's mouth. I said, we can still do curbside. I said, there's contactless ways we can do to-go. I said, the to-go window already exists. I said, let's just make it happen. So we offered that three to five days a week and then our instagram following went from like 500 to like i think we're at like 5500 now or something like that but yeah anyway uh that's kind of been the growth of our it sounds easy but it wasn't (laughs) oh yeah there's people out there on youtube that says it's easy anybody can do it so. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. That's not. That's not even close to true. Obviously. But no. one of the things is is what I like about this is like, you know, when when I gave the example, like I'm still in food. That's my passion as an entrepreneur. So no matter which way I have to pivot, I stay there. But you had a choice. It was like, okay, I'm going to go into healthcare. I'm going to stay where I am because of what's going on. But they're not doing this anymore. 
or I'm going to commit to my passion. And I find it's so amazing that, yes, you committed the passion. Everyone's like, oh, he committed. He burned the ships behind him. That's what you're supposed to do. Yes. But part of it is, is after you burn the ships, you still got to get through the forest to fight the battle. And mm-hmm. so it's, um, it's one of those things that you're talking about, like you have the hardships, but so tell me about this space. Tell me, like, is it still heavily to go? Um, cause I'm heavily obsessed now, right now with the delivery business, because what COVID did unintentionally is it's, it just created where no individual wants to even go pick up their pet food anymore. They'll literally door dash it to their house. And so this is, this is like, you caught on to this early on, I feel like. So do you use these type of businesses? Do you use the DoorDashes, the Uber Eats, the Postmates, the Grubhubs, or whatever's available with you guys? And was that part of the to-go order success that you found? So we honestly, now that things are the new normal, we'll say, <laughs> uh, we are we for are now. Back, back to catering. Yeah, for now. We are back to catering, so... We've basically abandoned the uh, to-go window. Um, we still have to have the space just because it's necessary. Um, now, there's a sign out front of our business that says now open. Um, I know that there's people that drive by there every day and are salty about the fact that we aren't open every day. <laughs> um, and they go to our Instagram and they ask, why aren't you open? Why aren't you open? Or where, when, when will you be open? Um, we will be open when we're ready to be open and that will not change. We are not a restaurant. We've never been a restaurant. We never wanted to have a restaurant. We pivoted just as everyone else did during the pandemic. So when we are ready to open that again, we will. And that's how we were treating it right now. I would say it's a pause more than an abandon. It is a pause. I, and it, it's, you should be the angel on every little entrepreneur in the food space right now because one of the things that I find right now and I'm and as I'm getting back in this space and consulting work and stuff like this is okay just because these were the tools we used to get through COVID doesn't mean these should be the tools we use now because we were in a survival mode then weirdly yeah. and survival mode is bad to bring into business mode and yeah. so, um, and, and so you're giving a literal example, which I love. So go on, Justin. It's like, you're the, the little angel on the shoulder reminding everyone like, Hey, mm-hmm. like we did that because we need to survive. It was a good business model, but this is our true business. And then we will, we know this worked, but we're going to figure out how to integrate it in properly and scale it and dime it down. So it doesn't hurt our business. So anyway, yeah. go on, please. That, that was it. I mean, we're we're we are a catering business first and foremost, and that's how we started this business. And that's in the end, that's that's what we'll be. I'd but, like to interject a little on what Justin said in response. You know, like you said, the survival versus the business mode. Um, all, as you know, as entrepreneurs, you ha- or I have learned, you have these aha moments where you're you're running against the 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 tide or the wall and you're like why you know let's rethink this and that's kind of where we were in the spring of this year because all of these canceled weddings and the the downfall from covid 
our calendar was booked full every weekend, every weekend. But we know we were like, how are we going to do the window? How are we going to do to go food? And then it suddenly it's like, well, we don't have to, you know, with this income from catering, why would we try to kill ourselves and open up a to go window along with that on top of that um so we're like okay let's cut it back to one saturday a month and here's what we found out there that's a smart move because if you saturate your market and you're open two or three times a week and you just get you know a few orders here a few orders there but you're still there and you've got your labor costs and just the whole time sucker that it takes if you open one Saturday a month, you can do the entire business for the month in one day. And we learned that out of this too, because we would have a line and that line at, when we finally said, we can't do this anymore. It's not fair to our customers. It's not fair to us until catering's done. That line would stay there from 1030 in the morning to two o'clock in the afternoon. And our customers, after we got done, were like, we're so sorry for your wait. I'm so sorry that we didn't mind. They didn't mind waiting two hours in line for their orders because they knew that's the only day they were going to get it that month. Um, and we picked a Saturday because we knew people would be off work and you know maybe wouldn't have an issue with it. But we learned a lot, you know, where what was keeping us alive, we didn't have to have that because of catering and then also when we do reopen the window it's one saturday a month you know let's get it done let's get everybody their food get their taste of our food and and not try to kill ourselves showing up two or three times a week for the same amount of income yeah and i think that's a part of it is it's a a lot of what covid i think the things that we need to extract out of covid was we became very efficient in our restaurants with little staff, with little resources, with things like that. And some of those things are the things we carry out. There's a lot of food and things we did and in, in, in ways we try to survive that actually somewhat take away from our business now to, to your point. Because we're not in a world where people don't go out anymore or live behind masks or whatever um, are afraid to go out. At least I don't think so. At least not where I've been. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, um, the thing I find is that food, there is a new normal in food. It's different, um, particularly in the way our food chain works and supplies. Us, um, particularly in international presence like never before. But what I'm also finding is that there is a blue ocean now in businesses that not only function well during COVID, but knew how to function well before COVID in food. And the new world is there's still a lot of people that are looking for comfort in what you're talking about, okay, which is you know, the tradition of food, the catering, the, the barbecue, the get my life back to normal, please, um, at any point in time. And then there's also, what you said is you also have these customers you gain from COVID, which there's a way to support them without losing them. And there's a way to give to them without, um, 
somewhat losing money in your business, which is, I like this. This is like why people do pop-up restaurants and pop-up models is they only open once or twice a month or a week to see if the business even is really going to continue from day to day and then build. And so I, I think that's a great idea. So continue on. I just, I went down a rabbit hole there. I apologize. Um, I guess right now our catering is kind of slowed down for the year. So, you know, we'll, what we're working on for November is um, our holiday pre-order for turkey and briskets and also um, doing a Saturday at the window, you know, so we can get back to those customers. And they don't quit asking. They don't quit asking, um, which I appreciate. It's, it's, it's knowing they still, you know, are following us, even though, we haven't been able to be very attentive to them over the summer summer months. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you know? I mean, I just out of curiosity, what was the tipping point for you guys where um, you're like, I need to do catering and I need to stop this, the, where, like how, I mean, how do you determine? I mean, one, you said, oh, I have the to-go orders. I'm doing more than that than in healthcare. So that was a tipping point. So in this case, what was the tipping point for that? For for catering versus the to-go window? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, we just, I mean, we had to. I mean, there was, so we were only doing the, yeah, the, the to-go window was like one one or two Saturdays a month, right? Yeah. And there's only two of us right now. So if we had a catering on Saturday, it was a no-brainer to shut the two-go window down and just go do the catering. I think that's really kind of the calendar. Yeah, it was the choice dictated by schedule. <laughs> we would start looking at the months, and, the, and you would have one Saturday open on your Google calendar. Yeah to do the window and I would look at him yeah. he would look at me four caterings in a month <laughs> and you're like well I guess we're doing catering and he'd be <laughs> like well do you you know let's keep that Saturday open for us so we literally haven't been open at but, the to-go window since May and then of course the profit on a catering versus the profit on a window day <laughs> um yeah when you balance significantly that, larger you're like yeah there's it, you just can't it doesn't it doesn't equal Mainly because on catering, you are going to get a number of people to serve. You're going to get guaranteed. a price per person, and you're guaranteed that income no matter who shows up. Where on the window, the window's invariable all day long. Yeah, you're guessing. Okay. Variable rate. I know, and the weather has everything to do with it, and ooh, it's just ooh. like, it's just unbelievable. Well, yeah. Pretty much always amazing here. Thankfully, we live in this beautiful valley. But, um, yeah, it's always sunny here. And we could be arrogant and say, oh, we're going to cook all this food and it's going to sell out. Yeah, it does, it does usually but, sell out. But it's just, you know, it's, it's always a crapshoot of what. Or is somebody going to come pay all of it by the pound or is it going to be sold by the plate each day? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you, you never know your food waste. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, so and I agree with you. I once you can scale to volumes, you may not make as much money per person or per plate in profitability, but you produce way more food with less risk. And if you really do the numbers, crunch the numbers, your profitability is higher because you don't have the food loss. Because those days where you prep food or you start to prep stuff and no one eats it 
or it goes on for a couple of days or there's rain or some weird thing or it's really hot so everyone's barbecuing in their own backyard for example it's like what does that do to your business and that's you know I don't know but I agree with you it's like McDonald's and those businesses they've built up steady streams of people coming through their drive throughs for years but even them they don't most of them don't stay open 24 7 and a lot of them don't even stay open till midnight you know they adjust to actually based on the hours that they service their business and for you guys it right now catering is the best way to service and grow your business yeah so we pop-ups during the summer we have a couple wineries here that um religiously each summer we have signed up they just start signing us up in january for their music events they we pop up and serve our food and they have outdoor concerts and people purchase you know plates from us at the events um that i would say probably is the hardest for us on food loss because we don't know who's going to show up um we can sell out and feel like oh gosh we need to cook more the next time and then we do, and then we have the food waste. So I guess that's good for us for advertising. So we look at it that way. Hey, we've gotten exposure. We've also kept this relationship with the wineries. So we don't want to burn those bridges. So we do take a loss sometimes with those events. But luckily, it's once a month or something like that during the summer that we do those still. So... I mean, I know Washington can be cold, so I'm not, and I'm not sure where you guys, where exactly it is, because I haven't been to that We're part of Washington. North, north central Washington. And so does yeah. the weather have an impact on the catering, or doesn't it matter much anymore, because everyone even brings the catering indoors during the wintertime, and people will tend to get married mm-hmm. year-round? Not, yeah, not really. Um, the only thing that kind of slows it down is, like, toward the... This time of year, it slows down just a little bit between October and November. I would say there's three weeks before Thanksgiving is the slowest part of the year for us. Um, we've watched this pattern for about three to four years now, and we always try to block out a little personal time for us. Um, so far, it hasn't worked out even Last year, we tried to block out some time for us, and I think we ended up taking three days versus three weeks. But um, uh, this year, we're actually going to take some time for ourselves. But uh, typically, like I said, that's about the slowest time for us. Um, But weather-wise, it gets cooler between November, December months. Uh, Last year... We had a very long winter, it seemed, from probably November till, what, it was snowing in April, mid-April. We got our last snow in mid-April last year. (laughs) That's like we got snow in Colorado in June. Yeah. So that was pretty strange for us. But uh, we had a really bad snow in, uh, was it Thanksgiving? Not Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, it was like January-ish. Um, we had that party for Pipkin. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like they dumped dumped four feet here, and we I had briskets on the pit, and uh, I just we had to have some local guy come snow, take a tractor and just 
shovel us out. It was awful. But they do bring the caterings inside, Justin. You're right. We have um, a Christmas party yeah. for first week of December. Yeah. And it's an indoor venue. This year. We also have a wedding booked for December yep. catering. And that's um, that area, some people love to get married in the snow. Because it is a winter wonderland. It is. Out there. Out, that's I'm awesome. Part of the Leavenworth area where it's the German town and it looks like the Swiss Alps out there. Yeah. But it's a barn it's a historic barn and people love to get married there in the snow so i guess it's to, to, for quantity yes our our weekends won't be fully booked but we'll we'll sprinkle in those indoor venues um in december and then the ski we have a small little ski resort here in wenatchee i don't know if it's really a resort but it's um the they have some events around skiing in the winter that sometimes we'll be invited to um, where we'll do a pop-up. And the thing with our food is we can do it year-round. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wood and, we, we do and do it's fire. Round. We do do it year-round. <laughs> yeah. We, we put on the jackets and coats and the tent and go outside with the smoker and people can get our food, you know, year-round. So to say is it busy? No. But to say do we still go through the winter? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Wood wood fired and mobile. That's our uh that's our motto on the uh on the logo. And, and you kinda have to. You, you know, honestly if we shut down all winter, I'm not sure I'd want to start you, back in the spring. <laughs> I would be like, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I I totally get that and I actually I think that from a perspective of like the the seasons and even back to mobile food businesses and catering it's just the advantage is in consistency all year round and i know a lot of businesses and a lot of people that sort of take the winter months off yeah. and it, how are you sustainable i just i'm like you're starting all over again every year yeah. you, and you lose so much business because yeah. if you have someone that likes you in the summer but needs a winter event and you don't do it you just gave the opportunity you to someone it. to build it yeah yeah yeah, and you missed an opportunity to build a relationship, and it's just, it's crazy to me. But I do see it a lot, and um, and it's just one of those things. It's comfortable, and you know, and I think some people get into business to be a boss more than a, less to build a business. So there's some of that, like, oh, I want that time to myself. I want that time, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how you run a business, not all year round. I would hate to have to like take time off, and I would have to Valerie's point, trouble starting again. Because yeah. there's a comfortability that starts to, I feel like, sit in that that's not good for your business. It's not good for your yeah. employees. It's not good for your customers or your vendors. So, I agree. So what, I agree. So, um, tell me more about, um, you know, let's talk about what are the, your most popular items, what seems to be, the things people ask for the most in catering, do people come to you and tell you what they want or is it something that you propose? I mean, how do you go about that? Because I feel like you can either propose things in barbecue, but I feel like there's also like people have ideas and stuff. So how do you deal with some of that? I, I have a hat that says we're not taking suggestions. <laughs> so that, that seems, that seems to be kind of the theme. <laughs> but uh if you if you know me then you know 
it's not a suggestion box and there is no human resources or any place to file a complaint. <laughs> so if you have an issue, then you really need to take it up with me or just bow your head and keep it moving. You should go back and check his trucker <clears throat> hat that he gets made on his Instagram, Justin, there a lot. But uh, <laughs> seriously... We, we we cook what we cook and that that's the I, I honestly think that that's either you love it or you hate it and that's the that's our style I mean I, I would say your favorites um, though most our, requested are brisket, brisket turkey um, or pulled pulled pork would be popular in no matter what state no matter you live in I don't think pulled pork is a very comfort food obviously um, people feel safe in the pulled pork world yeah that's what uh, um, but his brisket in this in this region, um, if you've spent any time here, like you said, uh, the Texas style barbecue that Justin likes to do is is people will chop their brisket here all day long, and Justin slices his. You know, it's the it's the Texas style kind that we crave, and that's why he wanted to make sure that what he was putting that's out what there. I serve. Um, um, people aren't. They're like, oh, it's sliced. Yeah, it's sliced. <laughs> so they crave that. They ask for the turkey a lot, the pulled pork, and he does, which he it's not his favorite thing to do. But it took a minute to take off here. But he does those um, armadillos or Texas Twinkies or however you wanted to label it. But he does these uh, things here. And man, anytime we have them, people it's a, buy it's them a, up. <laughs> it's a it's a smoked jalapeno stuffed with smoke screen smoked cream cheese with uh, ground brisket wrapped around that with bacon wrapped around that. And That's incredible. has like a strawberry chipotle glaze on it. Yeah. And then um, our uh, our pork belly is super popular. Yeah. We double smoke it. When and then do uh, the pork belly burn-ins, people... Burn-in, our burn-ins are super popular. Um, our pork spare ribs... We do beef ribs too on occasion whenever we can afford them. Afford them, basically. <laughs> Although expensive. turkey is just getting just as high as pork or uh, beef ribs on the supply chain. On the supply chain, oh, yeah, exactly. Turkey. Are you having trouble getting turkey? Um, just, just <laughs> the world is. I don't know what's going on, but I, I would say that our supply chain is is greatly changing changing when it comes to animal proteins, especially oh. in the United States oh. and and. The way the farmers are being are bought or sold, and the also the um, the butchering facilities, the processing plants, like there are some in pork, especially now they're owned by the Chinese. But turkey and chicken, they're going through a lot of changing hands and mm-hmm. issues and shortages and demands. It's a very weird thing, and I don't know if COVID is still affected because I know people stop, you know, producing as much food. But I'm I'm not sure that that's totally what it is. I think what happened is we had a shift in our supply chain, and so we're just feeling the trickle down effect. Yeah, trickle down effect. It's just like two years later. Yeah, we're exactly. St- we're still feeling it. Yeah, and I think we we've you know from a government standpoint in the United States, we made some big mistakes on how we protected our food system and our food chain in terms of. You know, not only protecting it from that we should be able to supply it ourselves, but it's also we didn't protect American businesses from the costs that are now associated with the problems. 
And so like yeah. it's crippling, especially competing internationally or even in your own backyard. If someone can get a nas- international contract now and bring it dirt cheap into our shores, less regulated versus me who has to do in the United States and stuff. It's just, we've really complicated things. And mm. anyone who knows, just, I will say a simple fact and food's the easiest one to point out is when food's grown in your own country, it's way easier to regulate than the thousands and tens of thousands of things that come into your country over your borders that are in addition to food also. And sure. so like, it's like, Okay, in your own country, you have a department. It concentrates on food yeah. in the country. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In importing, we have an import person that regulates, happens to regulate food also, which is just one of their duties on top of batteries and cars and, you know, goats and whatever else is going on. And right. so it's one of those things where just by what's going on, like, one, it costs more to go through all that once it hits our shores. Two, once someone gets control of our supply chain outside of us holistically, they can charge whatever they want to come into our shores because mm-hmm. they have a monopoly, which we can't deconstruct outside of the United States. We can if it's in the United States, but no one can if it's outside. So, like, if pork's a monopoly, for example, now, mostly, but it's a foreign country and company that owns it, how are we going to, we can't, we're screwed. We, yeah. we create yeah. a monopoly. Right. Yeah, we allowed the sale to a foreign country monopoly. So, like, that's where I'm not sure, but it's stuff like that where, and then we used all of our food supply, our trucks, our warehouses, our companies that were in food to move COVID products, and then all of a sudden left them high and dry, but didn't help them make sure that their our food contracts were in place. So you took all the trucks, you took our routes, you paid us or our businesses to go do your supplies, but then we turn around and you didn't protect our food businesses. So now we have no one to go back to and use our trucks for. And yeah. so it's like that, like pumping money into the economy so these big businesses could survive, but then not support them in foods by allowing in a lot of foreign countries to come in and companies in food and food service. We just messed mm-hmm. it up. I mean, that's my opinion <laughs> anyway. That's an opinion. That kind of sounds like some mafia stuff. <laughs> it's just, I don't think it's anyone's doing it intentionally. I just think we lost sight of that food is our most important resource and you our animals need it. We need it. So not mm-hmm. to have it for security, for our businesses, for, you know, I'm not even talking militarily, like obviously we would need it for that, but to turn it over to other countries or not protect the U.S. food, I think is um, a problem because we have one of the highest standards in the world, uh, you know, other than Europe. And that's there for a reason because human health is that important to us as Americans. We value individual importance. So, to go to a country that doesn't value it, that sees like, oh, I ran over a body, that's a matter of the state, for example. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was in the way, it's just, you know, what's it's just part of the problem, I just ran over an innocent body, but the matters of the state are more important. That type of mentality is what deteriorates food, what ends up with like bad bread, and whatever else, and labeling, and vaccinated, not vaccinated, or whatever we're going to do, organic or not organic, vegan or meat eater, plant-based protein versus normal protein. 
you know, it's mm-hmm. just like this crazy like thing that we're doing. I feel like so not to get really crazy, but it's like, I think we just, we don't realize anymore that every choice we make has real long-term consequences. Right. Oh, so totally agree. I totally you, agree. And trying to get the lay person to understand that is very hard. Yep. You and know, I, and here's how I break it down. You took the trucks. There's a limited number of truck drivers and refrigerated trucks and freezer trucks in the world. Okay. And all of them are used for food and medicine. COVID happened. You guys took all of them for medicine. Mm-hmm. And so that's it. How yeah. for two years. So yeah. the infrastructure fumbled in food. Just from that standpoint, if we take that one input, there's many inputs that led to the problem, but that one input right there is just so obvious to everyone. Like that's, we had to pump medicine into a world that wasn't ready to pump that medicine in, in terms of the medicine that was already there, in terms of all the heart machines and all the breathing machines Mm -hmm. and all the tests and all the extra gloves and masks and everything Mm -hmm. else we start shipping on refrigerated trucks because they were with the medicine, even though they didn't need to be refrigerated. Right. So like we just, and we don't care because the government's paying for it, Right. you know, or the big pharmaceutical companies. And we just toppled food. And what we unintentionally did also for anyone who realizes that there's these huge pushes in plant-based protein, like ever before is what we accidentally did is we justified science over food as a way of life and the pharmaceuticals and by prioritizing medicine over food in every way possible including going being able to go to our stores and getting it including the support we need to rebuild our food service businesses i mean you go to a drive-in there's no one there still still yeah yeah i agree so like the like it is so obvious but it's like this thing i like it's called like if i'm in construction my life sees everything as oh it's the construction and there's a right angle on the building and it goes left and right and food is just something i do for energy so i'm unintentionally enabling bad stuff to happen because it's not part of my actual presence in life you know Mm -hmm. and that our further and further detachment from eating food or where it comes from or how we get it or how entrepreneurs actually come to build food businesses, which is not like I turned on my internet and I suddenly sold this figment of my imagination and it made me millions (laughs) of dollars. No, you have resources, you have loss, you have things that go bad. You have to train employees, you have kitchens, you could Mm -hmm. explode and catch on fire. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just, we've lost like that and like individuals that come into the workforce, like you don't gain food service skills. Like, I don't know. It's almost like a rite of passage to gain customer service skills. And, right. Or to Justin's point before to like, come on, you need to keep your head down and nose down. There's a lot to learn here. And food is that like, there's so much diversity in food and so many ways things can be cooked or even to your mm-hmm. point, sliced or pulled or cut. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. like, there's so much to learn that it's not going to happen overnight. 
and mm-hmm. that it's truly thinks like, okay, like life and food and our food supply is really a legacy problem. Like we have to really think about this well beyond our existence. Right. And so I think well, that that's what happened is we just got so caught up in COVID because it, we were reactionary and sure. not responding, which is like, oh, what's going on here? Let's acknowledge it. Let's evaluate it. Let's propose something to see and walk through some, you know, hypothesis here that possibly what could go wrong if we put these things in place to society and then respond to the problem. But we kind of just reacted very quickly. Right. And like I said, the negative effect was food. With entrepreneurs, though, Justin, based off of the things that have happened in our country, if Mm -hmm. you are going to make it, you do have to just move around it and and move these pieces in our puzzle in yeah. relation to that. We, you know, kind of circling back to your question on yeah. how do we book these caterings and menus and who makes that decision? Well, for a long time, it was the government because what could we get? What are we yeah. getting? What can't we get? So if you send a menu out, you better make sure you're going to be able to order it. Yeah. You know, so kind of in relation to that, uh, that's kind of what we did for some time is we had to amend the menus and, and we honestly, to make it easier, cause we do have a lot of foods we can offer for, for weddings and big caterings. I send about four menu options and price per person. And it's tiered obviously with the product and what it's going to cost us. And they choose. Sometimes we do move parts around if they wanted a certain thing to go with their menu so it's easier on everybody in that decision but this food supply chain and the world decided on those for a long time um you know right now i hesitate sending turkey out as an option because a lot of my time has been where am i going to get my turkey out this week <laughs> uh, yeah. and i want to i mean this is a good topic because and i'm unintentionally talking about this just because it just is parallel with my life right now and in my direction in life. And what you guys are talking about is, you know, one of the advantages, and I'll just say it on the podcast and what I'm telling other people is America has a great amount of resources and proteins that are not necessarily traditional American proteins that you, that we can expand upon to help offset some of this stuff. Like, Okay, like in any market, like chicken goes down, turkey goes up. Okay, they are, they're kind of, you know, they have inverse effect on each other in some ways. Um, you know, or pork and beef. You know, if beef prices go up, people might buy more pork and vice versa. But there's, you know, hidden things like, you know, and it's not compliment. But I've seen barbecue places in Denver do this, which is why it caught my eye. And it's in my thesis of life right now in terms of, okay, we need to expand the American protein palette. And you're seeing people, okay, we can't get turkey. We're trying barbecue duck. And it's oddly popular, you know, and, and, you know, and while it's not for everyone and people still want turkey, it's enough of an offset where people are bringing in duck, for example, to offset it enough where turkey's still a popular item, but hey, there's this unique duck thing for, you know, people that want to spend a little more money and want to try a little more something different. And it's also helping people adjust to the new price of turkey or other poultry items, for example. It's just an example. I'm not saying duck's going to work for you guys in barbecue, but 
I have seen Ooh. it work in things like Korean barbecue or um, more of the Mexican style barbecue places. Excuse me. <coughs> so, um, but again, I don't know. It depends on what can you get where you are. You know, I've For seen sure. people to switch to elk or bison, but again, it's are you willing to pivot? Can you pivot? Are your customers going to be willing to accept the pivot? That's the biggest thing right there. Are your customers going to be willing to accept yeah. it? Yeah, and, and availability. Um, the availability probably being the first and then, then having your audience accept what yeah. you're offering. Yeah. I, I have no problem wanting because here recently I've been playing around with lamb yeah. and I so badly want to, but again, it's a little higher price point, obviously, but I don't even know if my audience would take that in. Yeah. Interestingly, I think, um, well, we're seeing it here in the mountain states with our population influxing and more animals that are suitable for the plains that like around Colorado and stuff that it's not only the bison that we're seeing or elk, which... I think people are like, uh, duh. But sheep, um, not only in the lamb, but mutton in general that can carry the same flavor older. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we're starting to see it, that come back into the American palate. And I think I've talked about it before, maybe, but the only reason it doesn't exist in the American palate is we overfed it to American troops during World War II, and this no one wanted uh, to eat it anymore. And it was rotten, mm -hmm. and the British cooked uh, it in the way that they do. And so there's a lot of bad things happen. So everyone came back and like, yeah, I don't want any more mutton. That's all we got when we were in the army. Sure. And so, or the Navy or overseas fighting in World War II. So we lost the taste for it as Americans because okay. it was psychological, not um, based on anything <clears throat> other than that. Just like we ate up too much of it, no more of it. I you didn't know, know that. So, sure. um, but other than that, like, so there's things like that. Like, I agree with you. It's like one of those things where will the audience accept it as something? And, and if they do, what does that look like? You know, a rack of ribs, you know, for example, or, you know, I don't know, but a right. leg of lamb, uh, yeah. barbecue, which again, it depends on your culture, right? Cause goat and lamb and sheep, if you're, you know, Italian or even Greek, like Deborah and I, it's not so abnormal to us. Like we yeah. eat it during the holidays and, and whatever, and we barbecue it on a spit and, yep. you know, and so yep. it depends on the crowd, right? And it depends on our ethnicity and our backgrounds and, Absolutely. you know, our exposure to the world, you know, have we been to a country that has it? And I think, um, there's some of that as well. So, I'm always curious because as I've, I always thought like I'm, I've always been hesitant sort of the proteins and the alligators and the bison and the elk, but as I've dived more into it myself, I'm finding like there are pockets of people and especially as the smoking sensation I will call is coming up in barbecues where everyone has like these garages filled like 15 different smokers that they, they use the pellets for. Yeah. Um, that people are experimenting with different meats and different proteins and trying to see what's out there. And sure. so I don't know if it's for your business, but I do like the topic and I do think that it's good for entrepreneurs to Valerie's point to see what's here and the problems we're having with the proteins that we're having 
and where can we pivot and where can we discover new blue ocean you know undiscovered territory and strategy that our current clients and customers might love but also we might attract new ones you know sure. so i we don't know i think we mentioned this on and off for the winter months is for us to experiment and that's a good thing about the winter months is okay let's experiment with something new and see if we can throw that out there in the next year and see how it goes even if you throw it out there small <clears throat> or you're not taking a huge loss sure. at it and just see okay that didn't work you know because that's what it's about that's what it's all about you know and is it going to work or not? Along that same lines, because we do have a thousand-gallon pit, people think that you can just throw a whole hog in it. Okay, yeah. sure, I can fit it in there, but that's not how it's properly cooked. Yeah, A whole hog is supposed to be prepared over hot coals. Anyone that's actually ate whole hog should know that. But you see people around here, and they're like, oh, you can just stick it in your thousand-gallon pit. Like, so no, that's, not, end, how it, that's not how it's cooked. <laughs> so yeah. we, uh, in the back of our minds, are playing with trying to maybe explore cooking one that way. Not on our pit, but over coals. Yeah, we have that Santa Maria grill. And if we could figure I out love a that. I forgot about that. That's yeah. like you just, yes, go on. If you could enclose that somehow and make it a box or do a like a cement you know cinder block situation even with that being the bottom of it you know and we could somehow figure that out i'm sure um if because we don't really use that one very much anymore and just make a little you know pig pit i love it. this and i love that it's like oh, it's a whole animal utilization of all the meat on the animal i'd love this yeah sure. and we get asked all the time here because oh. we have you know some, a filipino culture that asks for it or even yeah. hawaii is so close to us yes. a lot of people will go to hawaii which we've never been and vacation and do a luau and be like oh we should you know do a whole pig back home but it's people here there's i don't know anybody in our area that'll do it so it's kind of something we want to play with this winter properly yeah, properly. <laughs> I'm telling and, uh, you, every party yeah. is better with bacon fat. You know, that's yeah. anything pig like related. I don't know what it is, but I just think it's an amazing animal. I mean, I'm from the south. He's from the Midwest, and you know, the further south you go, if you would drive through a neighborhood I grew up in at Christmas Eve, every other house has a pig splayed out on a wire over hot coals. <laughs> And they're doing, you know, the, the pig roast, the, the couchon delay, you know, all of that, that happens every Christmas Eve in every other home. And it's beautiful. I get it. I get it. Crispy skin, you know, the fat cooks into the meat. You just yeah. lay it out and pick the meat off the pig. And it cooks but, slowly um, in a way that really keeps the flavor in there. And like you said, like the fat becomes such good fat into the meat for your body and the taste mm -hmm. and i'm just like oh my like it's like yeah. it there's like it's the ideal way to cook animals in my opinion <laughs> if you can figure out how to cook all animals wholly like that and do it slowly yeah. like it's like yeah. done right but 
it's just not the way we can do everything but if you guys figure out the pig part i'm i'm really that's a really cool idea and i really think that you guys are onto something yeah i think it, oh hopefully we can it'll be a, something a service we can offer that you know <clears throat> properly in this valley nobody else would be able to so you know there's always room for growth i guess on where i'm going with that is you know things that you can grow into and things that we need to grow into um anyway i think that'll be a good way to grow for us so uh, so that's one of the next steps then it sounds like in in the growth of your business is how is how do you do something like that so for the catering then do you do a lot of the cooking and then load up the trailer or is that uh, out of the brick and mortar or i mean do you not have okay so you still use both of them Go on, um, Justin. It's not the not the Santa Maria one, but the big smoker, the thousand gallons on a trailer. Yeah. And we will take it with the van. We do a lot of the cooking at. Here's a here's another little pivot we've done is we were renting um, the commercial kitchen space. You know, with our brick and mortar, we have we do all of our cooking on the smoker. We don't have ovens, even yeah. our desserts, our cornbread, yeah. all of that's cooked on the smoker. Yeah. So we we bake in it, you know. Yeah. We can make cookies, whatever. We still had to oh, quote love that. a commercial kitchen with a prep space. So just recently, we pivoted and have turned our current space with the commercial kitchen to be there. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's a. I love that. And so now yeah. your your space is also your home base for your commercial yeah. food yeah. trailer. Our sure. three compartments, our hand washing, our produce sink, you know, the mop sink, all the things that you have to have. We finally got that over the last couple of years in our current space. So that's going to help a lot. And, and you do um, all your prep work there and stuff if you have to yeah. prep it before you actually do the cooking on the trailer. Right. But for the caterings, we'll bring the smoker mm -hmm. often, you know, for a finish up a, a cook that we are working on or keep things hot for hot holding um depending on how far we're going but we have a lot of cambros we use a lot of those heavy duty cambro brand yeah. hot holdings too those are helpful yeah, two warmers yeah two electric warmers we use in-house so yeah we you know we pack it all up and we take it with us and once we get there you know it's a two-man crew so we have to time that just right and we we a two-hour arrival before serve time so we can set up our tables, tablecloths, chafing pans, make sure those are good and hot before we put food on them. And we slice all of our meat and on site because when you once you cut into that meat, and Justin can attest, is you're losing your, your juice, you're losing your flavor. So moisture. Yeah. moisture. Um, so we have to allow time to cut and slice sometimes up to four or five briskets on site so yeah. it's definitely a timing thing for sure too and have you built a good relationship with people um with like the human beings you like pull in for your catering and stuff are is it the same people i mean or is it i mean how do you deal with that or is it always now that you have the consistent business you have a pool of people no <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> No, we do have some repeat customers, if that's the, what you're asking. The, yes. 
I, I always say the only reason that I have any businesses at all is I let Valerie answer the emails. <laughs> <laughs> what about from, so you don't, so the two of you do all of the catering and the events and everything you don't Correct. have. Oh, that's awesome. We, 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 I mean, every now and then if, if we have, um, maybe, uh, event over 150, 170 people, whatever, we'll pull in somebody to give us a hand. Um, we have a, food. <laughs> yeah, we have a couple people that help us from time to time at pop-ups and stuff. Yeah. Because the pop-ups are always unknown. They're, sometimes they're close to 200 covers or whatever. Yeah. So we'll we'll grab it. We have a couple of guys we we keep on retention. And uh, they <laughs> Here, help you us want out. Some ribs? Oh, wait, yeah. come help. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They, they yeah. both work full time, so yeah. they, they help us out. But Justin's right. We've kind of come up with that number. Honestly, mm. I it's like It's a happy it. spot for us. I like to have a third body over 125, but we can still do 125. Yeah. Um, and we've come down to a rhythm. You know, he he serves the meats. I serve the sides. If I have to re- replenish something because, you know, we've run out of that and I've got to go to the camera and grab another and he bumps to the left and he gets people on sides. And by yeah. the time I get back with that, then he's back to the meets. So it's definitely a, you know, a dance yeah. where um, we're just two people. We tried to have employees and this was during COVID, right? We had two uh, people. Yeah. 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 And like the rest um, of the world. I guess that helped us out. Yeah. Um, she was, she was an employee at that point. They just um, petered out. You know, they they were part-time. They went on to full-time stuff. And um, the food industry is messy. It's it's hard. It's taxing. And people don't just stay there forever. (laughs) I always say if anyone wants a taste of the the food industry, go DoorDash for one week. See, Mm -hmm. go deal with how many people you come into contact with. And it's not even your food, but how many customer complaints and things and problems and rating issues and everything you have to deal with around, because you'll complete around 100 orders in a week, hopefully, you know, and it's just like, that's food, like all of us, that's your life, like, because everyone has an opinion about food, because we eat it all the time, even though, like I said, we're not, we don't have presence around it. But it's, um, but it's, you're right, it's the, it's the craziest thing. And People don't want to deal with it. They'd rather hide behind their phone or their computer and not have to deal with human mm-hmm. beings anymore. And it's a very weird thing because food is still a personal thing. It's never going to change. Like, at least I hope not. Um, I would find it weird if we didn't eat together anymore as humans. It would just be strange. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm never. We're a family. Let's just never eat together. Um, but or they um, realize there's the cleanup. Yeah. yeah, it's the food, but it's the cleanup and the okay, I've, I've prepped this food, I've served this food, and now I've got to clean this place up. You know, it's like there's so much more than just, hey, here's your order, <laughs> you know, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, toilets to clean and floors yeah. to sweep and sinks to mop up and <clears throat> clean up. Yeah. So refrigerators to, to, to keep clean and wipe down and you know, clean out. And it's just so much. Yeah. And I will say this, like my generation, I felt like the, the common thread everyone needed to really succeed in life was leadership. Like we lacked leadership, like show leadership, a generation that was just given a trophy for everything. We needed leadership and like whatever. But the next generation, I feel like it's almost, um, work ethic. 
I don't know how else to put it, but not that they don't work hard. It's um, from like exposure to some sort of manual task, just because it puts life into a perspective and human value and value of myself into a perspective, I feel like, and I could be wrong just because I grew up on a farm and I, and I do hard work and I am in food, but I'm Mm. sort of like, like there's a different appreciation I feel like for life when you have to earn it a little more and work for it a little more. And there is the, yeah, it's a win today, but tomorrow's a new day, you know, or even wins are messy. Like winning is messy. I still have to do the cleanup and I look behind me and there's a battleground behind me and that's life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, um, go ahead. It's part of it. You're right. I mean, I think I like the generational thing. It's what, what can I do to get by? Yeah. And, and that be kind of, okay, I'm happy with that. Where our generation is not like that. It's what can I do to get through today? And then I got to worry about tomorrow and how I'm going to get better at this. And okay, I've got to clean this battlefield up, but guess what? It's good because we just did this job that we didn't think we were going to pull off and we did it. Um, and if some, if the individuals like, and I, I've seen few and far between comparatively that have this work ethic, particularly in food, it's again, it's a blue ocean. Like if you're one of these individuals right now, you can see there's no one else there. Like if you're smart and you work hard, that is an opportunity. That's not an advantage. That doesn't mean the industry is going away. The the robots may run it, but there's still got to be managers and executives in these businesses at some point. And yeah. so it's like there's so much opportunity in food right now because of the like deficit in in humans and the deficit in food supply. Like these are real problems. These are real things that that if you work for a successful company or you're behind a desk all day and not dealing with leadership problems or work problems or sh- supply shortage problems, like you're you're not getting the accelerated education and experience in life that really makes a difference, I feel like, later on in terms of not only wealth, but also, like, joy and happiness. Like, I hear you guys right now. Like, you're very certain what what you can be successful at. You know where you succeed, and you know when it's going to be time to expand. That's part of the joy of being an entrepreneur. It's not only making money. Like, it's the part of knowing who you are. And that's in being comfortable in it and also finding success in it. Right. Doing your what you love. Because, yeah. I mean, any any food person or food establishment owner knows you don't get rich. You're not going to get rich. You're not doing this <laughs> You're not going to ever yeah. get rich. Um, it's a, you know, you, like Justin always tells me, well, it's going to cost money to make this money. And he's right. And you're, you're. Your supply bill is, you know, sometimes just like, wow, you know, wow. And then you have to make sure you just get, you know, your your profitability to, to keep going. And that's okay because you love what you do. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where you get sometimes, you know, and with Justin or with me and I think with him is our trophies. I mean, our hat, we pulled it off. We did it. We made it through, you know, one of the things from the summer that comes back to me is we did a, um, a 400 person for the Cherokee nation. Mm, Um, so Renton, Washington 
is closer to Seattle. Yeah, it's like two and a half hours from here. Yeah, and we typically wouldn't travel that far, but because Justin three, three is hours, probably three hours. Yeah, Cherokee uh, by blood, and this was a, a, an event for his, you know, nation in Renton. Not they to wanted, mention he has a really cool the, name. Yeah, the chief yeah. of the tribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wanted four hundred pulled pork sandwiches. That's awesome. Law and beans as sides. And just set up there. Well, that's a lot of pork butts. Yeah. <laughs> just the two of us, again, um, as far as the prep and the cook and the loading and getting to Renton, it was just us. Uh, and We had some help when we got there. When we got there, we had some help. Definitely had a gentleman, Justin's uh, friend, and um, he also has a barbecue business. A burn unit barbecue. Burn unit barbecue. Yeah. Shout out to him. He helped us, and we had two volunteers from the tribe. But that's a five-hour round-trip drive, plus trying to make sure it all got there, still hot, ready to go. It was probably, a, you know, we didn't sleep, basically, for a couple of days. But when we were done, and everybody was happy, and they loved the food, and we got home, and we're like, wow, that's our trophy. We pulled it off. You know, we made it happen, and nobody was upset, sad, and, and a lot of happy people. So I guess, you know, that's what keeps us going. I don't know. I mean, those wins in life are so important because it's funny. Um, I do this a lot now in, that I've got into my 40s, and I'm much more reflective in life. Okay, it's a weird thing that – and life has – um, caught up to me a little bit and taught me a lot of lessons um, that I had probably missed that I needed to learn. And so I'm much more reflective, but it's, it's just, there's so much reward in doing the things that you love that you don't even remember sometimes how much you got paid for that. Like I just go back, I'm like the things yeah. I really enjoyed, I probably made the most money, but I don't remember it was, that wasn't the trophy. Right. And it just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, and the amount of satisfaction and memory and the actual individuals that I was around during those successes compared to the ones that were more about money or financial and where those individuals now are in my life. It's just so interesting to me mm-hmm. Yeah, because like the richness, like we just discussed, like that event, I mean, I can't even imagine 400 people and, and doing it in the way you guys did, and you're driving so far away, so it's like you have no comforts, or you don't know where you're going to get supplies if something went wrong, or if you had to service the truck. <laughs> like, how do you deal with all of that? Right. So there's all those weird things, but it's just like you know what we're going to do it. We've done it before. We're well trained. So what's another two and a half hours, you know, mm-hmm. round trip? Yeah. And um, I actually drove my truck. And he drove the catering van with the trailer because we thought about that. What if one of what if the van breaks down? Yeah. We'll just hook up the van, the, yeah. the, the, the truck, and we'll go. Yeah. So it's just yeah, you have to really forethink and hope for the best. So oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So all right, you know, I gosh, I really appreciate your guys' time. Um, yeah, yeah. You guys always bring a lot of clarity to me. It's weird. It's like I just. It's like we have. You know, we it hasn't been that long since we talked because it just brings up memories and, you know, yeah. your attitude towards business. So it's very comforting. And I think for any entrepreneurs out there that hear you guys, you know, it is about 
more entrepreneurs do it because they love it and um, then they do it for the money because yeah, it it's especially in food because if it's about the money those times where the economy or the government or the supply chain or whatever it is or your business suddenly disappears because there's competition um it's it's hard you know and mm -hmm. you've got to be able to sort of get through those things and move on and keep you know keep going and i think you guys really truly display that as as a couple as a business um right. you know and just and i have ahead. a question for you real quick do yeah. you ever find that i know that your business model is a, a bit different than what we do maybe from from other people you've interviewed mm -hmm. one of the things that i hesitate on and don't know sometimes how deep to go is when customers need more explanation on why they're charge is a certain amount or why the model goes a certain way i i don't i feel like i don't have to explain this to people because they'll never get it and then how far do you go um with this came up recent with me as an example is an order that somebody wanted delivered and for a certain number of people but two days before that event they changed the number and wanted me to change their price but we're not a restaurant so whatever you give me i've already bought you know what i'm saying yeah. <clears throat> so without having to go too deep and explain this is is there is there a fine line where i should say you know i don't need to explain this to you <laughs> so. good question um i'm gonna i'm gonna answer the question but I'm going to actually give a quick explanation for the audience because I do agree that you're seeing a lot of that in the world that we live in. We're much more, we negotiate a lot more over things. Everything has become this negotiation and everything is paid for before it's completed, which is like leaves a lot out there for people to, um, to not do so. But in food, you tend to take 50% up front, 50% completed. That way they don't bail on the job and they don't lose a caterer. So that leaves a lot of room for that bartering, I would say, or complaining or whatever. Um, so how much do you open up the kimono, for lack of a better term, or do you expose yourself and be transparent? It's with, with the newer generations that are coming up and they're, I would say, they have different boundaries than we do. They're much more, they want everything transparent and they want to see everything and they want everything open. It's just not really the way the world works right now. Like it's an idea, but if you open up everything in the world, in the United States and the rest of the world doesn't act that way, all we're doing is being vulnerable to exposing ourselves to bad things. So let's go back to what you're talking about. At some point, you need to protect yourself as a business, right? I can't give you everything. If I give you everything, what's the point of me doing it? Why don't you just do it? You know, mm -hmm. if you want to know. So there's that. And I agree, the customer is always right. And there's always that human, you know, because not everyone wants to barter over everything. But I do think um, Valerie, that it's, yes, I have found more of it, particularly in food. Um, people know that food has different prices and fluctuation and people, um, individuals, humans, however we want to look at it, 
um, want to negotiate over stuff or think they're getting ripped off or whatever. And they, they just, I don't know why, um, they feel the need to, to do that. But I agree. Like, okay. If the price wasn't good at the beginning, why did you agree to it? Like, that's the thing is like you, you, your choice has consequences. Mm -hmm. And so I always, it's like, I don't even remember. And like, it's like a big deal suddenly to do this, but I think I learned it in kindergarten. Honestly, it's like your attitude determines your behavior, which determines your choices, which has, you know, destruct destruction, A, B, C, D, if you're not careful, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, like you, if you're not, you're making a choice, you agree to it. We have, you know, we have a price now. Why are you negotiating over it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. that's where I'm like, I, I try to draw a line where I have to protect my business. Uh, we have to protect the employees. Um, you have to do your fiduciary responsibility to your yourself and your other clients like because the thing is is what happens like if you have clients like you care about them and you start knocking down the price because someone's negotiating on it 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 harms your relationship with other clients one it harms them and they feel like oh my god why am i not worthy of the same thing so you're actually you know in a way harming them in my opinion and the other part is like it's if you if this doesn't work for you i'm sorry but this is the price we charge because i need to be profitable as a business and so in your line of work in mine where i have pricing and i negotiate and we open up things a little differently it's different like because my i have way larger numbers that i deal with but with you guys it's an agreement there is an yeah. agreement that is going to exchange, and we agreed on what that exchange looked like. And if you negotiate after or during the exchange, I'm sorry, that's just uncustomary, uncustom here. Like we just don't yeah. do that. Yeah. You know. I think. Yeah, um, it doesn't so, happen often, but it definitely happens. So. Yeah, I don't, and I think Justin's hats maybe is some is some <laughs> of the same thing. It's like. You know, I struggle with this same thing because you always like want to be like, oh, I want to help them out. I don't want them to say bad things about me. But like I just learned this in real estate, like as whatever. It's like someone's renting something from Deborah and I and they're complaining about it and it's not as far as they thought. And I'm like, why didn't you cancel and whatever. And there's a moment, I call it the moment of weakness. And I have this moment of weakness, her and I, we have this moment of weakness where we give them a discount. Well, you know what the discount got us? A really, really, really bad review. Oh, um, no. You know? So it's like, okay, we still helped you out. We still accommodate. And you still gave us a really bad review. Mm-hmm. And the people, you're like, this is our price. This is what it is. You can cancel if you don't like it. It's your choice. You can cancel if you don't like it, the rules that are we're doing. And mm-hmm. so, and then we negotiated just that little bit. And it was just like, okay, the minute mm-hmm. you gave, and I'm not saying to be a jerk, but if there's an arrangement and you have rules and they come into your rules 
and then they want to negotiate your rules of your business and the way your culture is like nope Psst. you know yeah. and i'm sorry that's mean and people are like oh customers a customer i agree you want long-term relationships with the right customers yeah. This is okay. This that is, says it all, all the right customers. This yeah. is why I say the customer's not always right. <laughs> this right. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're so opposite. He has these hats and he has an, a no, you know, these real cut, no extra policies. Where me, I'm like you, I'm trying to protect a relationship, but then did I even want that relationship? Yes. You know? Yes, even see. want that ongoing relationship with this and person. I can I can read somebody if they come at you with that then I already know I, you're not worth it <laughs> yeah you're gonna yeah. spend much more time with that customer than any other customer so uh, well for other listeners how I mean how I handled it basically this gentleman you know I base he was comparing us to a previous person he'd worked with who no uh, longer is in business but that person was a restaurant who did catering on the side and we are not. So for if he said, well, so-and-so let me tell him two days in advance of an event if I had a lower number. Okay, well, sure, because he can take that extra food and sell it in his restaurant. Yeah. I've already purchased it. I cannot. Though I did give him back, you know, credited him for the percentage of the people he didn't have come. I still delivered the food that he ordered, though he had, quote, to throw it, you know, extra away. I don't feel like that's my fault. But, you know, I have yeah. to think about the refund. Yeah, the, the refund for the extra people didn't show up in my moment of weakness. But whether we got a bad review somewhere, I don't know. But do I want him back as a customer? No. So I ended the email with it sounds to me like in the future that we may not be the caterer to meet your expectations. I would recommend using more of a restaurant with catering on the side. So. Yeah. Hoping he doesn't reach out again. <laughs> yeah, and I find that if it's their choice, like because he's basically telling you what his preferences are, and that's I I agree with that, um, one hundred percent. So I um, don't know. It depends on the person, and it depends right. how they come at me, and it depends. It depends on, you know. And here's a weird thing, and I will tell you. Just I'm going to say it to the audience. And, I, and I've learned this over and over again, is this type of what you're scared of, this bad reputation, these individuals, if they make their way in, they will hold you hostage in your business. These type of clients, mm -hmm. these type of customers, these type of employees, they will hold you hostage and manipulate you in any way possible once they know you can. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's bad for all your other clients. That's bad for all your other businesses, bad for your employees. It's bad for your suppliers. It's bad for your vendors. And so that's why it's important to put the wall there. But to your point, the customer is always right. He is right, right? He is right. We are not right for you. Yeah, there you go. And that's, so, and because that's what you're saying to me. And so I do hear you. I also hear that if I continue to do business with you, you're right. I will end up bankrupt. So I heard mm -hmm. that also. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, exactly. that's like like I'm just like in in to the point that you just said um 
that little thing right there, which people are doing, it's happening all over food. Co-packers mm-hmm. are going out of business. Food processing plants are going out of business. Vegetables processing plants. Why? Because they're playing that number game and a customer comes into them. It's like, oh, well, do this for me. Well, mm-hmm. the reason your last co-packer went out of business is because they fell for your trick. And then they had to do it for everyone else because everyone else does figure it out because you can't hide secrets no matter how much you try mm-hmm. that you're doing it for a lower price for them so you match it so that person goes out of business so these businesses that come in are entrepreneurs are like oh i want the cheapest price and spread the biggest margin great but you're also destroying businesses you're more yeah. of a you're building one business but destroying how many in the process well that's, and that's dangerous i'm going to start thinking more on that <coughs> You know, I can't, yes, you're right, but we're not your caterer. That's how you're right. Yeah. Yep. And your, my relationship with you, it may hurt you a little bit because of your preference. And your preference shouldn't be to choose me because I'm not going to satisfy you based on my business model. But I can help you find someone else also like, hey, you're right. You need a restaurant with catering. Let me help you find someone. I'll recommend a barbecue for you. So you're also still making them right, satisfying, and still being the good person and keeping your reputation. Because they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that to you. You'd be like, and they're like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, I went to blah, blah, blah. Well, how did you find them? Well, they recommended it to me. And so, yeah. like, you're making that person's negativity turn into your positive also. And I also find that anyone who knows that person knows that they do business this way. And if they've been around long enough, they know that in squeezing these people that there's businesses around them that go under. And so, like, you know, I've seen it in food, unfortunately, and it's followed me around a little bit sometimes. But... Mm-hmm. Those clients and those customers and those employees that are willing to give away the dollar, as I call it, or take advantage of the dollar, like it's not good for free market. And yes, free market's about the best price, but it's about the best price for the best service. So, and the product, the best product. Exactly. And so it's. You know, that's where I'm like, I, you know, I believe in protecting everyone. So again, that person may be like, oh, what is it going to hurt that business? But that person or that customer doesn't see the vendors, the employees, the trucks, the farmers, all the people that impact by you starting to pinch that penny. And in right. food, it, it goes really far. And business owners, you can't go into all that. You exhaust yourself, yeah. and like you said, you just can't. You can't no. explain that way. We just have to, hopefully society will understand it at some point that we spend, you know, we get our oak wood from Oregon. You know, we're getting this wood, a special kind of wood or whatever, where other people may not be using a higher-end wood. But you can't tell your customer that because Here, they won't get it. Here's where I'm at. I know <laughs> I know what I got. Don't lowball me. Yeah. 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 Just say, hey, our product's good. Yeah, I get you. Hopefully all the restaurant owners will start feeling that way too. I don't know. 
And we, we've gotten used to shopping around with the Amazons and the stuff like that. And mm. it's just part of what we are. But And we just, because we shop around, we've lost fact that it's not always the same service, that it's not always yeah. the same product. And in food, exactly. it's not always the same quality either. Yeah. You can go down the street for that, but that's not that's yeah. not what you're going to get with us. Yeah, I think that's our 2023, is we're not going to do it for nothing, and we're going to experiment with some new proteins (laughs) yeah and i think that's it like you and it takes time to build a reputation right and it takes time to do things but one of the things that matters and food teaches you because there has it's a legacy thing it's like when's the best time to plant a tree you know 20 years ago when's the next best time right now you know Mm -hmm. if whatever time you're planning in food like food just grows humans like not because you're eating it only but because when you're in it it's teaching you so much whether it's farming or whatever and the experimental and the growth and even in technology around food is just so cool that as humans it keeps giving us things that we learn like okay i gotta not be so caught up in just what i am now what does it mean if i if i service this customer i stop looking at them with dollar signs over their head what if i look at them as a a potential real partner in my business spreading the word of my business for the next 25 years of my life what kind of relationship would i give them i think i would hold more firm in my price because i would want a more respectful relationship both ways and he would want the same for me or she or yeah. whatever pronoun you know sorry i don't even yeah. know but it's like <laughs> anyway but he or she is you know wanting you know because mm-hmm. i think that that's that's important right so yeah absolutely it's absolutely. and successful entrepreneurs you know aren't short-sighted and they make real differences and they don't destroy businesses. They actually help cultivate businesses and not only their own, they understand that it's an ecosystem. Yeah. And yeah. so when one customer, one person affects 600 potentially, it's, you know, and you think about it in those numbers, yes, is there a little bit of a casualty in that one person? He's no longer a customer, but he'll find someone that will prepare him or you could even help him find someone to to be better suited for what he needs. There's other options. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is there's another entrepreneur out there that probably will do what he wants and cut their prices. And I don't think they'll be around very long, but they'll give him what he wants. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that's weeding them out and trying to figure out who you're, who you're, customers are that are going to help you grow and yeah. and be respectful of that too and yeah and it's, it's a challenge and i'm going to leave you everyone in the audience and you guys with this simple tidbit is if that person is so concerned over money the minute he gets the the discount he's going to brag about the discount he got to all of his friends and they're going to expect <laughs> the same thing and while mm-hmm. you got new customers they're discounted customers yeah. And they're more problems some customers because they like the gossip arena based around money. And that's like, oh, man. And no one talks about that in business. But I got to tell you, that's a concerning pool of people. It is. It is. And you learn as a business owner, too, is you have to just let them know up front, which typically we do. We have catering contracts. But yeah. this person reached out even 
too soon to the, to the cutoff time of last numbers. But I, as a business owner, <laughs> should have been very upfront to say, I'll take your order, but this is the number and it cannot be changed. And, you know, that's also on my end. But when you get busy and you just keep going and sometimes you lose those little pieces that you should should have yeah. put up front so and i will tell you if in business just out to you guys and i just want to share this <clears throat> in my own very hard experience and you know life-changing experience if you negotiate over pricing all the time and that becomes your reputation as a business with clients in high volume you will go bankrupt and yeah. if you have employees that don't have the backbone and to stick up for your core values and the partnerships or the type of business that you believe in or don't understand that there is an ecosystem that they're protecting also in farmers and families that need food on their tables and college educations that need to be paid for through food, um, it becomes very hard hard for your business to survive and like very few like employees and very few clients that build that or have that mindset they will literally rot out your company's culture and yeah. i don't know why but it does and you can try to get around it and you can think they're only one individual or two individuals or three individuals in a business of 600 but they eventually consume business because i don't know why it's just they create bad business habits they create bad culture and for whatever reason when people think it's about money they actually kill your business financially i don't know why but yeah. if you don't worry about servicing the clients but also charging a fair price that takes care of everyone you need to take care of and there's that type of agreement. I will do this for you, but in doing it for you, you need to take care of all my people that I support. And if the person doesn't understand that in that transaction, which is becoming more and more because we don't have classes like that in school that break down things like bank accounts and balancing checkbooks and stuff like that on a greater level and why it's important and how business transactions actually take place. But that thing is they don't even know what they're doing. And, mm -hmm. and I'll even say this also to the audience. Um, this is something very big that's going on. When you're going to your grocery store or you're in your food businesses now or you're off to go to yoga or to the gym or whatever in your shopping centers, everyone has to be very aware right now that the world has changed. Okay? Food has changed there's people out there delivering food. There's people out there trying to like pick up food from restaurants. There's restaurants that are trying to survive their business off of delivery drivers and stuff like that. So like in the process of the world, like we're talking about how we don't un we're unintentionally harming food. But when we're lazy dazzle in parking lots or we're playing around or we don't understand that the person with a red, orange, green, or yellow bag in their hand is a food delivery person that's trying to deliver food that gets paid by the amount of food they deliver but also needs to hold quality and standards. We harm people. And that's like, it's really mind-boggling to me. And I'm not trying to do it to a greater level, but I just want to say from from a human standpoint, we've lost when we start negotiating over everything, we've lost 
that we're all humans here. We're all trying to make our way in the world. It's not only just about me and my feelings and my emotions here, you know, and um, I got on the soapbox there. I apologize, but it's no, it's okay. It's, it's more or less that if I could help humans see what's going on in food, like beyond in their everyday lives, like, okay, why is that person have a red bag? He's a delivery person. And food is delivered more than ever right now. It's the craziest thing to me how much money people spend on delivering food. We've built four ginormous businesses in this country just off of food business, of delivery business. Right. And right. so that being said, we all have it coming to our home. Imagine it's your food that's coming to your house and there's someone double park someone in or they're messing with their keys or they're having their groceries and or they're just taking their time walking through the parking lot or whatever or they're on their phone like the parking lots are a business now food mm -hmm. businesses grocery stores now even sephora if you're in the makeup world they deliver it's their home do your pet foods delivered so like this is one of the things like and the reason that is also is because the reason the delivery and all these things took off is because we tied up all the trucks with medical, but that's a whole other topic, but that's, but that's what's going on here. And so we just have to be aware around us of that every human that's now running around in the world that we live in, because we have cell phones is in business, probably in that moment, no matter where they are. And there's very, very little downtime in our lives um, where we shouldn't be aware of that. Like, I feel like, you know, as a customer, you may be mad that something happened, but let me stop for a second. You know, I find this all the time. Like the other night I was in a restaurant and I, we had ordered food and I'd waited there an hour and a half to pick it up. And I can feel it like I'm losing my patience but I also am like seeing them like totally freak out. They're down two people. And I'm like, what is the value that I'm going to bring to this situation right now? Am I going to be another customer in here that's going to give this, this poor couple who just opened their business a hard time about how they're delayed and whatever and their two cooks didn't show up? No. You know, and they're coming here probably just, and you know what I said? I'm like, I have been where you are, okay? This is rough. But this isn't something necessary you have to go through and you don't learn more about how to service customers, how to better your kitchen, and how to make improvements unless you go through the battle like this. And while it yeah. seems bad right now, I'm here to tell you that I support you, that I'm going to wait here for you guys, that if you need any help, I will bag the food for you. I won't cook it because I don't know your recipes, but I will handle the rest of the end and help get your delivery drivers out and help get your customers their food and check off the checks. I can do that for you. But to mm -hmm. then, but to just be mad and I'm like, I have a skill. I know how to handle this situation. Let me just add some composure to it and let me try to help. Okay. Which I did. It's easy to bag stuff. It's easy to pull a soda. Like we can all do this. Any person can do it. And most of the time they'll tell you no, but in this situation, they could tell I knew what I was doing and that <laughs> I was talking about. So they're like, okay, okay, help bag it until your order's ready. And then you can go. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So 
I, that means I get my order faster. Did anyone see how it also benefited me selfishly? Yes. I was like, okay, I'm going to help them. I'm going to give guidance. But it also means I'm going to get my order faster, which means I'm going to have a happier family at home. So there was a, a, a strand that I chose that is, how can I benefit this situation the best? What action can I take that's going to help the people here, the people at my home, my family, and myself? And like, that's it right there, right? <laughs> that's the entrepreneur in you. There's a problem here. Yeah. How can I fix it to, to benefit all and myself? <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, that's not saying that the first part, there isn't selfishness in the actions. It's just like, yeah. we have stuff to give and giving away negative energy and and yeah. stuff. It just doesn't help. And it's not fair and... I don't like it when people negotiate. For me, it's hard, and I agree with Justin. When people negotiate yeah. after they've already agreed to something, there's like, this is, we have boundary issues. Like, we don't respect the rules. Like, that's just not the way I do business. So for me, it's not, like I said, there's entrepreneurs out there that do do business that way and can cater and convert those clients and customers to better or whatever. But for me, if I don't protect the price and I don't protect our margins... Um, and I don't do it. I, I know, or know the consequences. I've lived them. You know, you lose businesses and you lose and you hurt employees and you hurt vendors and you hurt people that you never wanted to hurt because you wanted to help a few people. Right. You know, it's a learning experience. You know, it's yeah. something that you just have to learn from. Hey, I'm not doing that again. It didn't, yeah. didn't help anybody in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's true. So you guys, um, that's a great question, Valerie. I think you handled it the right way, but I really just thought it opened up something that we really need to talk about. And I could talk yeah. forever about a million nonsense philosophical things or things I've experienced in business, but hopefully I think somebody, go ahead. From what we talk, I just hopefully somebody learns from that question yeah. and to think a little bit more before you bend your, bend your pricing and rules for others and, Maybe the trickle-down effect it does have. So, yeah. yeah and one of the things I love about Justin and always having him on the podcast is he knows who he is. He knows what he does. He knows what he's good at. And, like, one of the things I also, it's not about not experimenting with new things. Because everyone, I think, heard that I was like, no, I'm not up for suggestions. That's different than saying, hey, I will work on this until I become good at it and then I'll introduce it. And that's where I think that there's just so much there and wisdom in, in what he's saying where you know who you are, you know what your business is, and your business is a living organism also in a way um, without actually being living. Um, but you want to protect it as well, like it were a child or it were something you were going to mentor, especially as an entrepreneur. So you know, you want to care for it. So if I'm allowing a bully into its life, that's going to peed it up over Bryce. What, how am I protecting my child? You know? So I think it's just the boundaries for yourself are the same that you'd want for your business. Um, if that helps the audience or you guys, but you just taught me something also. I hadn't thought about that in the way that you talked about it. So like, this is, really eye-opening for me as well and, and turns on a lot of light bulbs or connects a lot of pieces that were sort of in my life right now that I couldn't figure out how to um, remove the anxiety from, if you will. So I appreciate you guys also 
um, and coming on the podcast. So yeah, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of times that we we've put stuff on the menu that I've not ever even tasted and just put out there. But the whole, like I said, with the whole hog thing and stuff like that, and the lamb and stuff, you know, I'm willing to experiment and try to pivot and grow in that direction. Um, but there, there are definitely stuff that we have, that I've never even tried, made the recipe and just never, <laughs> it sold out the two or three weeks in a row. And I said, Hey, I said, will you put some of that aside this week so we can try it? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, is what it is. That's true. Well, thank you guys very much. I'm just, you guys always just leave such an impact on me. Um, and it's part of the reason I do the podcast is so I can talk to under, other entrepreneurs and they can ground me in a lot of ways and, you know, really make me not feel alone in the world for sure. Like if Thanks anyone, the, go ahead. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. We appreciate you reaching out again. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate it. So, um, where can everyone find you guys online and on social media? And is there anything else you guys wanted to say as everyone? Um, and where can they find you if they wanted to do catering with you guys? Uh, just Birch Mountain Barbecue um, website dot uh, com. B U R C H. B U R C H. Um, yeah. And and then our uh, our website and then uh, Instagram and that's it. I think there's some. What is it? Underscore? Okay. Instagram, yeah. 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 Usually if you just type in Birch Mountain Barbecue on the search, you'll find us. There's some underscores between the words. Yeah. Uh, as far as finding our food, um, yeah, if you're listening locally, we we will open up our to-go window uh, Saturday a month for the next few months, most likely. Um, we don't have any pop-ups scheduled uh, for, for right now. And for catering, we have a contact form on our website you can fill out um, and give us your details, and we'll get back with you by email. Awesome. Um, and I know I took a lot of your guys' time, um, like an hour and 45 minutes, probably two hours with the prep work at Uh-oh. the beginning. This is all we had yeah. uh, scheduled today. Yeah, it was cool. fun. I enjoyed talking with you, too. You helped open up a lot of our minds to things, too, that and know us what, what the industry, you know, is doing, too. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I'm I'm sorry I keep going on, but I really do feel that, you know, talking to you guys, like there is like trailblazing that you guys are doing and, and Justin's skill set and just the way that he talks, you can just, when you've been in food as long, long as you have, you can just tell when someone has a love and a relationship with it, that's different than just being in business. Um, yeah. There's that time and that relationship with the food. And I think that that is just so there, which um, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. And I can already tell, like, just going through COVID and the pivoting and now back to where you guys are and handling a 400-person event, you know, five hours round trip, like you're starting to get confidence and momentum. And that's just so cool. It's true. Things like that, those little trophies, if you will, they help us know, oh, we can do that. We've done it. We'll do it again. Yeah. Um, and then not to say there's not some things that we don't look at and go, nope, we're not doing that again. You know, we Absolutely. made it through. 
not the way that we wanted to. Are are we still um, recording right now, Justin? Yeah, we are. I can I can turn it off if you guys are. I'm gonna. I just didn't. I wanted if there was anything I was saying that would give enlightenment to other people. I was going to do that. Yeah, but go ahead. There's going to be challenges. You know, you're going to do something that you're like, nope, not going to do that again, and that's okay. <laughs> you have to learn from that. Learn from your experiences. And I think it's and getting comfortable with it's okay to miss opportunities if they don't fit you or your business or your family or your life or the legacy that you want or the character of a human you want to be. Absolutely. Know? And, I know. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You have to say okay. no. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Deborah always says it's the second best answer is a really quick no. Like, no. And just Justin did it on the podcast at the very beginning, but he's right. No. And it's yeah. like, because if you start to explain, it's almost like the negotiation starts. And it's, it's like, true. okay. Because you it's can poke a hole in anything, let's be honest. So, yeah. You're not going to know it in the beginning, but we're in now what, since 2018. Yeah. So. I've learned if you're exchanging too many questions on the catering, we're probably it's not. not the fit for you. We're not the fit for you. I've learned to do that. You know, it sounds to me like if you're most concerned about the types of salads that we can serve yeah. at your event, we are probably not your fit. If you're asking me for a <laughs> vegan, low-fat low soy latte, then that's we're probably not. We're not that yeah and let, is the coffee maker go on the grill uh and yeah. the smoker so yeah. to know hey it's too many specificities yeah. another on this one yeah when your title's barbecue you're not gonna have a salad uh for every event so. we can point you to someone that specializes in that <laughs> yeah i find that i find the same thing and it's like they want everything but this is like hold true to what you do and what you're good at. And I think sometimes people experiment too much. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And don't be afraid not to be their person. Yeah. You will go crazy yeah. trying to be everybody's I'm, person. I'm not going to please you. Yeah. And know what you're good at and know what your skills are. And I think you guys hit it on the head. Like you, anything that's around the barbecue and, and that type of food and the, the, you talked about everything going, going in the, the same machine. It's your oven. It's your everything. So like that's true yeah. to your business right now. And yeah. if you're like a salad does not go in there and yes, could you do salads? It depends on what it is, but you get to make yeah. the choice. Right. And it's salads, not for everybody, for every event. Exactly. Yeah. We've so. done some salads. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. When pushed, but then you're deciding that's not my, that's not my star. I mean, <laughs> uh, I literally make like eight or nine different coleslaws, but it's coleslaw. That's a palate cleanser for barbecue. Yeah. It's just, that's all it is. Also, here's what can happen too, is you're asked to do a salad and you could, and sometimes our contracts are a year old. It's like, why did I agree to this a year ago? Oh, maybe I had to. So then you come up with the dressing that is amazing then you have that dressing and then you serve that dressing with a meat almost like a chimichurra and you're like, Oh, okay, that's why I did that salad. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing chimichurra style meat compliment. <laughs> so yeah. You can learn that way too. 
And I think it's just knowing. And I think it's you you know, and you guys have been around long enough to know, and any entrepreneurs in the business, you know. Like, you know what you can handle and can't handle, and you know what you're willing to grow in and what not grow in and what works and doesn't work, what needs time and what doesn't need time. But it takes the legacy. It takes the time of... I have to understand what I don't know and that I always don't know a lot, but I do also know what my instincts telling me and I do know my boundaries and I do know myself and my business well enough to know what we're capable of. Yeah. And yeah. for those out there, don't be afraid to, to punt. Don't be afraid to say we're not your people, but you know, there will be people that are and that's okay. Yeah, I agree. Thank you guys again, and thank you everyone for listening in the podcast. I will have all the information for Birch Mountain Barbecue on the uh, episode notes for Instagram and for their website, so check it out. And again, Justin and Valerie, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having us. You have a great week. Thank you, you too.